And welcome back to the Actors Process Podcast. This podcast is focused on learning what experienced working actors are doing, as acting is all about the doing. When they audition, go through a script, how they prepare before entering a scene, and anything else that has relevance to improving, enhancing myself and my listeners as actors. You may not know their names, but these are actors that are working in the industry, so they have experience we all can learn from. My name is Kevin Duane. I'm a New York City-based actor and on-camera coach. This is part two of my interview with Langley Cornwell, in which we talk about specific performances that can be found on our IMD and webpage. Links and descriptions are in the podcast notes. Let's get to it. All right, let's talk some about some of your roles. In You Can't Take My Daughter, you played a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Do you approach that role? Yeah, that one was an interesting one because I I tried to make that lawyer multidimensional insofar as it was written on the page one certain way, which of course I had to do and did happily. But I also thought that as a woman, the lawyer would not necessarily agree with the law in that mm. instance. But she was beholden to the law and she was by the book. So she did it, did her job willingly and well. But in that certain instance, she didn't agree because, in fact, uh, with You Can't Take My Daughter, it was a true story and Mm -hmm. it is abominable what the laws dictated towards women in those mm. circumstances. So as a female I th- lawyer, I felt like she would not agree with the law in that case, but that she, in fact, had to uphold it. So you had a secret. I did. And I did. And I like that. And, you know, we've all, all been taught to have a secret. And that secret was very obvious to me because she was a strong woman lawyer. And yeah. she obviously had her own point of view, but she wasn't able to express it. Now, as in your commercials, you're, you're working in a location that you're seeing for the first time with people you have made just met. What do you do to make a connection or feel comfortable that this is your office and this is your client or coworker? How do you manage that? That's, that's so fun. And it's a good challenge, too, because usually in your audition process, obviously, you have a set or a set of circumstances or a situation very well fleshed out in your mind and in your imagination. And that's what you're playing in the audition process. And then when you do book it and you arrive on set, the real set may be vastly different from the world that you created in your imagination. And like you said, Kevin, you got to hit the ground running. I mean, you've got to be familiar. So, and you've got to act like that's your office and you've worked there 20 years or whatever. And that's your husband and you've been married 18 years or, and, um, and you don't know any of these people. So it's fun. I always take a minute to kind of walk the set. They, you know, you've got a minute and kind of feel it out. And, um, I'm tactile in general, so I like to touch things. Oh, this is my desk. I'm touching my desk. Oh, you know, this is this is whatever it is, and I'm touching. And 
that's kind of how I acclimate myself quickly, I guess, is through touch. And <laughs> except for you don't really do that with people. So I, then I just introduce myself and say, here we go. I, this is quite an aside, but I had a role in a film called On the Air. And I played an ex-wife of one of the leads, as did another woman about my age. And we had to get into a legitimate physical fight. And it was kind of weird to walk up to a woman about my age. And, you know, I mean, we're women of a certain age. And we said, hey, you know, let's just go for it. And she said to me, don't be shy, put your hands on, whatever you need to do, let's make it real. And same here. And so you just kind of make a little pact with each other, just a few words. It's kind of like actor shorthand. Same with a husband. Oh, you know, good to meet you. We've been married 18 years. Yeah, we're um, getting along good. We get along great. Okay, super, let's go. And just a couple of little back and forth ideas like that can get you right into it. And you kind of break the ice with somebody, with the other actor. You ever create a, a little backstory for the props of their set? Uh, this is my pen I've used all the time, or, or this is the my favorite, uh, what is it, uh, my favorite seat or something like that? Uh, well, you know, that one's easy for me because I'm like that in real life. Like, I do have my favorite coffee mug when I'm home that I like to drink out of. I do have my favorite writing pen. Uh, so I do have my favorite place to sit on our sofa. So yes, I, I do that. I don't, um, I don't spend a lot of time reviewing it in my mind, but I do, I will look at a mug, which you inevitably have on your desk. If you're sitting at a desk, um, set designers always give you a mug and right. I always look at the mug and I think, Oh, that that's my favorite mug. And Oh, look, this ink pen. And you know, like if they have a couple of ink pens sitting down, I'll pick out which one, is my favorite and mm. have, you know, and say, okay, that's my favorite pen. Yeah. Right. There's the one you use and there's the one you let the client use because if they. Right. Do, exactly. Exactly. But the client can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in uh, what we always wanted, you get triggered for lack of a better description. How did mm -hmm. you look at that scene or moment when you first read the script and did it feel like an obligation? Um, how did you approach it at home so that you're not anticipating the moment on set? Yeah, the when I first read that scene, I, I kind of had a little internal eye roll because I, I feel like the way it was written and the way it was going to be filmed was obvious mm. and it there was a lot of anger and as you said it there was an escalation and then a trigger point and boom i just had to let it go and a lot of times that's not how i would instinctually play anger mm -hmm. and so i for several reasons and one of them i honestly kevin might be a protection device but i feel like you can really overact and fall into what I think some people call a trap with dialogue like that because it is written so obviously but I just imagined a scenario that was 
wildly similar in my real life and thought, oh, and I wasn't the one that was triggered. In fact, it was my mother. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay. All right. And I remembered her behavior and her reaction when that happened. And so I, I, had, I could identify with it in mm. that regard. And so I just internalized that and accepted that that was going to be the way it was going to go down. And then I reacted from what the other fine actors in the scene offered. So um, you were prepared um, for that moment to, in a way to come, so to speak. Is that correct? Yes, I knew it was coming and I tried not to anticipate it. Right. And, you know, I tried not to pre-play it. And, uh, but I did know, I did know how, I had a feeling of how, it would go down based on experiencing something similar in real life. Gotcha. So that was kind of like in the back, back of your mind, I guess, or somewhere else, not present, but right. something. Right, for sure. Kevin, it's, it's like this for me. I think of all this stuff beforehand, and it's just like learning the lines and everything else. You know, you prepare everything you can. You get all set, and then you get there, and you kind of park that at the door and mm. go in and just hope that it's all internalized and it's all there and you've done your work and you are ready to go and you're ready to react to whatever is offered in the moment. And how do you stay fresh between the takes with lighting changes, blocking adjustments, last looks, the dolly moves? Mm -hmm. The way that I stay fresh is I, well, two things. One is I don't try to review what I just did. Like I don't go through that mental process of editing, analyzing, reviewing, critiquing what just happened yeah. between takes. You know, it happened. They've got it. They'll like it. They won't like it. Doesn't matter. We're going to go again. And it's already done. So I don't spend any energy thinking about what just happened. And I do know people do because they think they, they're going to do it different or they're going to do it better or whatever. But I, I, I can't do that. It, it takes me way out of what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I just, and I don't go look at the video village, you know, what, what just went down or anything like that. I'm just ready for the next take and I'm just waiting to see what is provided to me so that I can respond appropriately and realistically. And if they, if they tell you, um, they say something like, oh, you know, you, you put your hand here or you held the cup there, that's an easy enough adjustment for you? Or That's fairly easy. I'll tell you, I feel like there's nothing more important than good a scripty on set for things like that, because as a, as a, television and movie lover, that'll jerk me right out of the scene if I see continuity errors. Mm -hmm. And so as an actor, I try really hard to know my job mm -hmm. in that regard. And, and I do feel like it's my job. And if I absolutely don't remember what I did, for instance, did I take off my glasses? Did I set them down on a certain line? Now, see, I should know. I should know that. I should... I should, I should have that. But if I don't, either the script supervisor will tell me or I will go look. 
and see the playback so that I can do the same thing. I'm thinking that um, if you keep a lightness to it, mm-hmm. it's such an onerous thing. I remember a, a teacher of mine saying sometimes, like, if you had to do something like that, don't do it 100%, do it 10%. Mm-hmm. It's not this overwhelming, oh, I, I've got to put the cup down at that point. I got to put the cup down. So don't do 100%, just do 10%, and then it'll be less, you know, more e- easier for you on yourself. Well, let me tell you, one of my acting teachers, and I just, I always laugh about this because it really resonates. And it's so easy to remember, but they say, okay, Langley, don't make a meal out of it. You know, just put the cup down. Don't make a meal out of it. <laughs> you know, don't, oh, and it's exactly <laughs> what you're saying. You know, don't, oh, you know, this cup goes down, boom, in that moment. You know, it's not like that. Don't make a meal out of it. Just put the cup down and keep on going. Gotcha. Okay. In the urbans, and I, and I talked with this, uh, John Tag in the last interview, you had some nice little business with the glasses and then the, did you come with the, up with that? I did. It was the first shot and it was the wide shot and it was both of us and and we were just playing around and on it, you know, and since then we've done three episodes, but that was the first thing we did. That was a proof of concept. And we were just playing around. I was just getting to know that guy who now is like a family member of mine. And we were just running through it, kind of running lines, but film was rolling. We're just going to see what happened. And, you know, I was doing this and talking and picking up a pen and leaning back in my chair and just doing anything that seemed natural. Mm. And then we liked it. And so then that was a trick because I I did do a lot. And I thought, oh gosh, okay, now I have to redo that and redo that and redo that. So we worked hard to get that right for all the different angles and lenses and all of that. Gotcha, gotcha. So at first it was your, and then it became, it worked itself into the, the, the entire scene. Exactly, so it was very spontaneous at the beginning and the director liked it, everybody liked it. And we're like, okay, you know, that, that's who she is. That's, that's her, let's, let's keep that and let's do that over and over. In the scene from the darkness, again, you have this charged emotional scene. Mm-hmm. Do you find you have to conserve your energy or how do you keep fresh for that, both for yourself and the cover, the over shoulder, the, mm-hmm. over the other actor and what you're doing before they say action? I just, in those kinds of situations, I don't really conserve energy because I personally, and I, I feel like perhaps I'm lucky in this regard. I don't know, but it's almost like the more energy I spend, the more I have. I'm just that kind of person. And I'm really glad and fortunate about that. So I don't manage or monitor when I may peak or do I need to conserve for a bigger scene later or whatever. I just um, keep pushing and just go for it. I just, I never look at myself from the outside in. I just go all in Mm. and know and trust that, you know, when we break and we go again, I, I, it's an, I, I say, I think it's an unlimited well. Maybe it is an unlimited well because I think it is. I don't know, but I just, 
And then after each take, you reset to yeah. your relaxed place. I do. Yep. The whole, is my jaw relaxed or my shoulders relaxed? And then, you know, am I back to being a healthy human? And now let's get back into it. Do you, do you typically feel better after more takes or less takes? When I take auditions, for instance, I usually think the first, I usually just use the first or second take. And because I think it loses spontaneity. And I feel like that is probably, may be an area I need work. I don't know. You know, every director is different. I've never had the great good pleasure of working with Clint Eastwood, but you right. know, they say it's like one take, move on, one take, one, okay. And he doesn't even call action and cut. He's just like, when you're ready, okay, that's enough. All right. And I think that'd be fascinating. I, I love I would love that. I would love to try that. Um, I feel like you probably get very authentic performances that mm. way. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to... No, I was just gonna say, but I I I have worked with directors that only want a few takes and I've worked with directors that you're thinking, okay, you know, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Let's spend three days on this scene. Okay. In 40 years in, mm-hmm. we're acting alone and it's an emotional breakdown scene. Mm-hmm. Again, can you tell us how you approach that? Uh, what did you think of first upon reading the script and then on the day of and through of course, the multiple takes and adjustments and, and all that kind of stuff. How, how was that approached? Yeah, this this film took uh, one week. We filmed the whole film in a week. And we all knew, including the crew, what day we were going to film that scene, the, mm. the emotional breakdown. And I remember thinking, okay, girl, you got to get your game on. I mean, you've got to be ready for that. And the character was very multidimensional and there was a lot of sadness. So, I, you know, I was kind of inhabiting that space. But the day of that scene, the director took me into a room. We were filming on location in a house and she took me into a room that we had not been in at all. And it was just an empty room. And she was basically holding this room for this for this reason is for me for holding. And she had me in that room and it was quiet and everybody was doing the big setup. And she just sat down and she told me a very sad story about her life. And then she said, I'm not asking you to tell me a sad story about your life, but I'm telling you something about myself. And, and if you have something similar to that, you know, this is, that's the kind of feeling I want in this scene. And so she was very articulate in what she was looking for. So I was clear on her intentions. I was very moved by her story. And then she left and she said, I'm just going to come get you right before. And I'm, I'm not even going to call action. We're just going to walk into the room and, and, and have your moment. And so I took my time getting there and then she came to get me and she just led me into that room and I didn't even see any crew in there. I mean, there was just nothing but my feelings and, and I just had, had my moment and it was very, very sad. And I felt every bit of it. I'm telling you, I feel it right now, just talking about it. And then 
she wanted one more. She wanted a turnaround to get it from the other angle. And so we only did that thing twice. And then, you know, when it was over, I, it took me a minute to get out of it because I was very sad. And, but I did. And then the crew, you know, gosh, I, I, I may have told you earlier, but I just love crew. I love the crew. And I just, especially when you're working alone like that and the crew and you're working, it's like being, I guess, in a foxhole with people, but your brothers in arms, you know, you're working hard, long hours. You're getting to see each other vulnerable. You've got to trust them. They trust you to deliver. And that crew just made me feel so safe and loved and appreciated that mm. I could have gone all day doing that scene if I had to, but she got what she needed in two takes. So that was good. But that was a, that was a big deal. Like when I read that script after I booked it and that was not part of what I read during the audition. I was like, Oh wow, that's a big ask. Okay. <laughs> so all you could really do was try to be open to that moment. Mm -hmm. You can't really prepare for it and don't feel any obligation, I guess, you know, to perform or, or teach anything. Right. And then the other thing interesting, Kevin, that might be worth mentioning that she did was she didn't block it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have anything else to think about. And that was, I think, really smart on her part. But she just walked me into the room and then vanished. And, and I just felt what I felt and they captured it on film and I didn't have anything to think about as we talked about earlier about do I take my glasses off here do I put my cup down here none of that I had none of that to think about worry about it was like the most simple scene the only thing in the scene was emotion mm -hmm. and I think that's a kind of a cool way to approach that kind of scene and I appreciated the starkness of it and that the only thing to focus on in that scene was what I was feeling. Generally, how aware are you of the frame you're acting within? Probably not as aware as I should be. This is an area that I would like to get better at. I am, I mean, for instance, I recently did a role and I threw a little something in there and it was, there was the scene in that case had no dialogue, but I had, I was watching somebody walk away and they were on me. And at first I was playing it like I was scared that they were walking away. And then it just occurred to me as in one of the takes as they were walking away, I was scared at the beginning, but then I was kind of like, a, okay, go then, you just go. And I hadn't really planned that. That just kind of popped out and I didn't know it would read. And then the director and the DP, they came and they were like, oh, no, that, that, that's what we want. We want, yeah, of course you're going to be sad, but then at the end just be like, okay, screw you, you know, just go, just go. Mm. And so then they wanted to punch him real close for that. And so I obviously I was aware because we talked about the lens and the framing on that. But um, a lot of times I, I don't know. Some actors I know, they'll kind of make eye contact with the DP or the camera op guy and say, you know, like, where are we? I know another guy, Kevin, this is interesting and I think brilliant, but he looks to see where the boom mic is. And if mm -hmm. the boom is really high, 
then he knows it's going to be a wide shot. If the boom is really close, then he knows it's going to be a close up. So I, I know that there are different ways to kind of figure out what frame you're going to be in. And I think all of that's very interesting. I would like to get better at, at knowing how to play the different frame mm. frames more accurately. I don't know if I'm expressing myself properly, but no, that makes sense. How, how do you think you would go about that or? Well, I just know some actors and they go a little bigger on the wide shot. And then when it's in an extreme close up, they're very, very mm -hmm. subtle. Because, for instance, if you're on motion picture, assuming we ever get back to that, if you're on a motion picture frame and, you know, even when you're and it's a close up of your eyes, even a blink can be rattling. Right. Um, right. So. I would just like to get, I would like to understand, I would like to be able to subtly differentiate my movements based on framing. Do you learn from watching other actors? I do. I sure do. I, I, <laughs> I do, and I drive probably other people crazy. I, if it's a scene that I think is remarkable, then I will rewind and replay and rewind and replay and study everything. I remember in an acting class one time, my teacher was talking about not blinking too much. We were talking about camera technique more than anything, one really acting class. And we talked about not blinking and how, how to, how your emotions can change and how they read in the camera, especially in a close up. And shortly thereafter, I was watching Game of Thrones and there was a scene with Cersei and she was watching a ship come in with Jamie and presumably her daughter. And it was this extreme close up on her face. And she was watching the ship come in and first off, and I'm telling you, I, I kid you not, there was not a movement in this woman's face, but at first you could see the anticipation and the excitement. And then she saw Jamie and she saw the look on his face. And then she realized, and you know, I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody that may <laughs> not have seen Game of Thrones, but it it was not how she wanted it. And so her face, and they, I mean, it was, I, I couldn't even analyze the movements. There were no movements, but still yet, her face was able to convey joy, then excitement, then anticipation, then a little bit of confusion, and then like, sadness and then just like complete devastation all in a tight tight frame without moving a muscle mm. it was genius in my opinion I must have watched the thing a hundred times and then I told my teacher he needed to start playing that in his class which he did and mm. so I love that and then I also for instance I just finished binging Sneaky Pete and they have two of my favorites in there Brian Cranston and Margaret Martindale and Brian Cranston has a monologue in the first season and and they shot this whole monologue really in one take there's no camera I mean the camera is steady and th there's no changes there's no there it's just all one shot and he gives I'm not kidding it's probably a minute and a half two-minute monologue and the guy didn't move around much at all and you are sitting on the edge of your seat listening to every word he says and I'm thinking how does he do that how does he 
I mean, I am in rapt attention, hanging on his every word. He's not moving. The camera's not moving. Nothing's moving. And so, yeah, so I, I watch and rewatch and rewatch scenes like that to try to break it down and learn from it. Dream one day of being that good. Do you still take uh, classes and workshops in acting? A hundred percent. Always will. I'm a lifetime learner anyway. And I love classes. I love workshops. And so, yeah, yeah. I take private coaching with two different teachers and then I do a lot of workshops and yeah, a lot of group classes. And, you know, Kevin, it's so exciting now. One of the upsides of the pandemic was there are teachers from LA and uh, New York that I have always only hoped to take from. And here lately I've been able to via Zoom and virtual classes or virtual private coaching. And so it has really opened up the choosings for who I can study with. And so I feel like I'm better than I was pre-pandemic. That's great. Let me ask you, how can people find and contact you? Well, I'd love to meet them on Instagram. I love Instagram, Langley underscore Cornwell. And I have a website, IMDB, all the regulars. That's great. It was such a, a real pleasure to finally meet you and make contact with you. And though this is a no pandering zone, I'm like inside the actor's studio, but I knew when I first saw your reel on IMDb that I had to contact you. Oh, nice. Just so good. And, um, you know, that thing about being a, a working actor, mm-hmm. you, you generally have a wider range of, vo- of roles. You don't have all the luxuries that you know big time actors have of having the script for months at a time and being able to get off someplace and live as the in the same milieu as the character so that's really what what makes this so interesting for me is how people go from role to role to role and then adapt within that you know and auditioning and that kind of thing so thank you so much for your time and really been a pleasure It's my great pleasure, Kevin, and thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much, Langley, for sharing your time, experience, and insights with us. Thank you, folks out there, for tuning in. Let's get to the takeaways. Give more dimensionality to her role as a lawyer, she had a secret that she didn't agree with the law, but had to uphold it. To get comfortable with the sets and props, touch them, make them real to yourself. You can even create a little backstory for your props. To hook into a particular experience, imagine a similar scenario to identify with and internalize it, keeping it in the back of your mind. Prepare everything you can, and when you get there, kind of park that feel confident that it's all there and you're ready to react to the moment. Langley stays away from editing, criticizing, or reviewing what she just done after a take or what just happened. Don't make a meal out of it when doing anything or feeling a heavy obligation to perform a demanding scene or moment. And have a little physical business to attend to, just like in life. Langley was very fortunate to have a director so sensitive to her needs when approaching an emotionally challenging scene. 
and with technical directors, you may have to insist on what you need for yourself. There's a running theme here. I believe it's that Langley has a great deal of trust in our process and approach. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and leave your five-star reviews. And you can contact me with comments, suggestions, and feedback at kevin at theactorsprocesspodcast.com or through my Instagram account. Until next time, know your lines and don't bump into the furniture. <laughs>